Hello, welcome back to another edition of the My Two Cents Podcast Pay-Per-View Review. I'm your host, G2, and the pay-per-view we will be reviewing is AEW's All-In 2023. That pay-per-view just happened this past Sunday. It was a great pay-per-view. The pay-per-view card from top to bottom was stacked, even including the kickoff show, or they like to call it the Zero Hour Show. It was nothing but jam-packed action. Um... I would like to say AEW, they know how to put on great pay-per-views, and All In was no exception here. I would like to also say that even though a lot of people had a, a lot of criticism for All In as it was starting to shape up, we did not know the matches that was going to be on the card because AEW kind of has this thing where they don't like to announce the matches that's going to be on uh, their pay-per-views until like a little bit of weeks before the actual event. Um, I will say they did the right choice here by... Keeping it kind of silent because I think AEW wanted to test the waters to see how many tickets they actually could sell over to the UK before they start announcing matches. And as the weeks were winding down, they would admit that they started to sell a lot of tickets way quickly. So I think AEW going over to the UK proved that they don't have to announce a card. Just the AEW brand is starting to become strong, at least overseas in the UK. That um they're able to just have that brand recognition at least over there. But I will put that caveat that uh, English uh, fans or people just across the ocean away from America, they don't get as much of the prime time uh, wrestling. So whenever they get it, they try to come out in droves and this time was no exception. So you can kind of say that's the reason why AEW sold a lot of tickets, but either way, All In had a lot of people. As a matter of fact, at 81,335 people in attendance for this. This set a record, so congrats to AEW. Now, with that all out of the way here, let's get on to AEW's All In. I want to start off with a kickoff show. The kickoff show, we started off with Better Than You, Bebe, taking on Ozzy Open for the Ring of Honor Tag Team Championships, and this thing would kind of set the tone for the rest of the night to see how it would go, especially leading into our main event. Um, Better Than You, Bebe, they will become the new Ring of Honor Tag Team Champions, when they would hit the double clothesline on Kyle Fletcher to win the tag titles. Now, Ozzy Open, they didn't allow Adam Cole and MGF to hit their signature pose in the middle of the ring. As a matter of fact, Ozzy Open would attack Better Than You, Bebe, before the match even began. Ozzy Open, they would beat up on Better Than You, Bebe. I'll say about the first half was Ozzy Open, but then like the second half became Better Than You, Bebe's uh, game, especially since MGF would hit the kangaroo kick on both Kyle Fletcher and Mark Davis, and that got the fans pumped and hyped up to see MGF actually execute it. And I will say, again, simple things like having the move being announced being special and trying to have it executed for weeks on end, the way that MGF has tried to be doing this kangaroo kick for the past two weeks and actually be even executed here was a great way to let people know and how you could study on making a move uh, special. Anywho, especially with a double clothesline. A double clothesline is a regular standard tag team move, and it beat Ozzy Open to be their tag finish, which is crazy. A double clothesline, but AMJF and Adam Cole, they made it work. So, aka, to wrestlers in the back and wrestlers that are uh, training to become wrestlers, sometimes some of the simple stuff, if you build it up the correct way, can actually end the match and get the biggest pop and the biggest reaction that you want. And that's what happened here. So with Better Than You, Bebe, MJF, and Adam Cole being the Ring of Honor Tag Team Champions, and MJF is still the world champion at the beginning of the show, 
this will kind of set a new dynamic to see, okay, let's see how the main event will go since they are now Ring of Honor Tag Team Champions. And I'll get to that when I talk about the main event. Next matchup was for the FTW Championship in FTW Rules. It is Jungle Boy, well, scratch that, Jack Perry going against Hook. Um, Jack Perry would lose the FTW Championship to Hook when Hook would make Jack Perry tap out in the Red Room. This was a great match to have Jack Perry and Hook uh, compete in. You got Jack Perry kind of poking at the internet because there was a thing going around on the internet with uh, allegedly CM Punk talked to Jack Perry because Jack Perry wanted to use a glass for a segment on Collision and Punk told him not to do it. And Jack Perry came riding out in a car and Hook and Jungle Boy would be fighting around the car and Jack Perry would tap on the front window. He said, do you know what this is made of? Real glass. Cry about it. And you saw Hook like Fisherman suplex him on the glass and like make an indent. And Jack Perry did get cut on his shoulder, but Jack Perry still ended up using glass. So seeing Jack Perry poke the bear of the internet with that one, that was great. Uh, I think everybody knew Hook was going to retain or win the FTW Championship here because I don't think people really saw Jack Perry still holding on to the FTW Championship, to be honest. So, yeah, Hook winning the belt made sense. It was logic. Now, off to the main show. We will start off with the Real World Championship matchup of CM Punk going against Samoa Joe. CM Punk would retain his championship by pinfall by hitting the Pepsi Plunge. For people that are not aware, the Pepsi Plunge is a top rope pedigree that CM Punk used to do in his days in Ring of Honor. So, CM Punk busting out his old finisher on his Ring of Honor rival was a great way to end the matchup here. A couple of highlights of the match was CM Punk was able to fool Samoa Joe with going for a maneuver off the second turnbuckle, and Joe would try to do his walk-away shtick, but Punk would remain on the turnbuckle, allow Joe to walk away, and when Joe turned around, Punk would hit Joe with a hurricanrana. Now Joe, however, would get his walk-away shtick actually to work when CM Punk would go for a springboard crossbody to the outside of the ring, and he would crash and burn because Joe would walk away. Joe would then grab CM Punk's body, sling him into the commentary table, make CM Punk bleed from the head, and Joe was having fun in this match. You could just see him smiling from end to ear. He just loves wrestling. You saw that throughout this match here. CM Punk, he would pay tribute to Terry Funk with hitting Samojo with a spinning toe hold. Punk would continue to kind of poke the bear and give a little bit of celebratory celebration when Punk would go for a Hogan leg drop on Joe and execute it, and Samojo would kick out, and Joe would start doing his version of hulking up and instead of the hit him with the big boot, he would hit Punk with a snap power uh, slam. Um, Punk and Samojo, again, great chemistry. It was great to see them here. Punk is really a difference maker of a wrestler because he's a man that can walk into a room and he can have you either love him or hate him. There is no in-between on this. Samojo, he got cheered, but anytime Punk had any type of offense, it was either people cheering for Punk or people booing for Punk. And that's what makes CM Punk so special. And I think having him in the AEW locker room, or at least on their television screen, is great for AEW. So now with Punk retaining the Real World Championship, we'll have to wait and see what type of story will happen with him. And now with Samoa Joe losing to Punk, he's still the Ring of Honor TV champion, so Joe still has that. Now, next matchup on the card was a six-man tag match. The Golden Elite, which is Kenny Omega, Hangman Page, and Kota Ibushi, 
going against Kenosuke Takeshita and Bullet Club Gold's Jay White and Juice Robinson with the guns in their corner. Uh, Takeshita would win the match for himself and Bullet Club Gold when Kenny Omega would go on a V-trigger just spamming uh, business when you hit Juice with the V-trigger. Then you hit Jay White with a V-trigger. Takeshita would come in the ring and use Kenny Omega's own momentum to roll him up to win the match. And this came to a shock of everyone because I think when everyone saw this match being announced, everybody, at least in my mind, thought Takeshita was going to be at least the fall guy. He was going to be the guy to eat the pin, either him or Juice Robinson. But that didn't happen. Takeshita was the one to actually get the win on the Golden Elite. Now, a couple highlights of this was that uh, Kenny Omega and Ibushi, they will have matching trunks, so that's a good, again, their former tag team partners will make all the sense in the world. Uh, Jay White, he will wear his all-white attire, and I want to put a pin in this. Anytime a wrestler wears all-white, it's always hard. You had Jay White wearing his all-white attire here. You had uh, Hukaru Shida wearing all-white here. You had the House of Black wearing all-white at this event. I mean, they were hard anytime... A wrestler just wears all white. You know they're out there to do something. And the fit always looks hard. I just want to say that because I'm. if you know me in real life, I don't like wearing white. And I've said this previous times. So anytime I see a wrestler wear an all white attire, it's always going to get the stamp of approval from me because it's always a hard look. Anyway, um, at first, this match was controlled by Bullet Club Gold and Takeshita. Thanks to the numbers advantage of having the guns around the ringside, they would get involved from time to time. That would change once Kenny and Hangman would take care of the guns outside of the ring. Kenny and Ibushi would hit their triangle moonsault on their opponents. And the match started to speed up towards the end of it. But again, Takeshita would get the win for Bullet Club Golden himself. And now, that's one fall not in the Elite's favor. And next match up to see if the Elite will at least get a at least one win in their column. It will be for the AEW Tag Team Championships. Is FTR going against the Young Bucks? And the Elite will go 0-2 and two tonight because FTR would retain their championships by pinfall when the Young Bucks would go for the Meltzer driver, but Dax would run in, hit Matt Jackson, and FTR would catch Nick Jackson with a Shatter Machine to win the match here. Now, highlights for this match was FTR, they would come out wearing armbands for Bray Wyatt, Brody, and uh, Jay Briscoe to honor them, which was a nice symbolism on their part here. FTR and the Young Bucks, they would use moves of each other's towards the end of the match. For example, FTR, they would hit the BTE trigger. The Young Bucks, they would hit uh, the Spike pile driver. Then they would hit the Shatter Machine later in the night. And there will be callbacks to the finish of both teams' previous two matches against each other. Like in the first match at Full Gear in 2020, Cash Wheeler, he would miss a 450 splash and Nick Jackson, no, not Nick, uh, Matt Jackson, he would kick uh, Cash in the face and that's how the Young Bucks would beat FTR in their first meeting. And in the second meeting, you saw FTR hit Matt Jackson with the BTE trigger than the Shatter Machine. They pulled off both of those sequences in this match and it was a nice callback for the people that were paying attention to both of those matches here. I will say this match here, it kind of falls in the third spot for me. If I had to put their trilogy up and people were to ask me which match was their my best, I will say the second match was my their best one. Um, you know what? 
Wembley match will fall second, and the Full Gear 2020 will have to be the third because Full Gear, they technically went against one another in an arena with nobody, no fans, only the wrestlers around the ring. So the fans being here and it being in a stadium, it was a nice, uh, it was a nice way to get the match into the second spot. But I don't, it just didn't jive with me that well. I mean, they're both great tag teams. Let's not get me wrong here, but I mean, just something just didn't click with me right here with this match with FTR and the Young Bucks. It just didn't. I mean, I like the callbacks, but. I probably got to watch it for a second time to see if my view on this would change, but nah, it just hasn't, uh, it wasn't, it wasn't it for me, but I'm not going to have anybody have that be deterred from anyone. I would say still watch the match. It was still good, but it didn't live up to their second match, if you know what I mean. But I was surprised FTR winning the match up here because of the real life situation with uh, Cash Wheeler, I thought they would switch the belts over to the Young Bucks, but with FTR winning the matchup, I was happy, to be honest, because in the predictions, I said the Young Bucks were going to win, but if real-life situation didn't happen, I was putting my money on FTR, but hey, Young Bucks lost, FTR wins, that's great, hopefully FTR, they go off and defend the titles against another credible tag team. And speaking of credible tag teams, we would get to the Stadium Tanpede matchup of Blackpool Combat Club and Proud and Powerful going against the best friends, Penta and Eddie Kingston. Best friends, Eddie Kingston and Penta would win the match by pinfall when Eddie would ram Mox into a board that's in the corner and Orange Cassidy would hit Claudio Castagnoli with the orange punch. And here's the deal with this. Orange Cassidy's fist was covered in glass because Orange Cassidy would tape his fist up and he would bust a bottle into a bucket and he would put his fist in that glass. So that was an ECW callback that ECW had a match, a Taipei death match between Alex Rotten. No, not Alex. God, Axel Rotten and Eden Rotten. So when I saw him do that, I said, okay, that's ECW right there. So with them paying homage in the finale of this match up here, I will say the whole match was legit chaos from legit the start to the end. The weapons that were used in this match was a steel chair, no, multiple steel chairs, uh, trash cans, a barbed wire bat, not barbed wire bat, a barbed wire board, excuse me, a candlestick wrapped in barbed wire, wooden skewers that John Moxley got popped in his head with that because Penta did that to him, a fork, an umbrella, steel steps, tables, ladders, and like Terry Funk's branding iron. So, that was another homage that we got here. Um, Blackpool Comic Club, they would come to the ring wearing all black. They'll have black trench coats, sunglasses, uh, gloves. I mean, they just look like guys that are trying to assassinate someone here. Um, Eddie Kingston, he would just boom it right directly towards Claudio. Eddie and Claudio would fight around the arena. They'll start at the ramp, then into the back uh, area, then into the crowd. I mean... Eddie and Claudio, they are really the definition of on-site. Those two, as characters, they do not like one another. And I like that they kept that going straight up from Chikara to Ring of Honor, now to AEW. I hope they are legit the living embodiment of Fight Forever. Just let them constantly just do this every single time. Um, the people that bled in this match were John Moxley, Trent, Orange Cassidy, which was a surprise to me. I didn't know Orange was going to bleed. 
and Eddie Kingston. Everybody else, they didn't bleed in this match. I thought people would bleed more, but those are the only four guys that did bleed in here. Um, The callback that they had here was Sue. Sue, who's Trent's mom, she would come down uh, to the stage with an uh, SUV as the Blackpool Comic Club was beating up on the best friends as they did in the parking lot brawl. Moxley went over to Trent's mom, kissed her, and then this made Trent get pissed off, and Trent started beating up on Mox. This kind of re-energized uh, the best friends, and there was a spot in the middle of the ring where you had the best friends in there with Willie Yuta, and the best friends will go in for their hug, and they hugged, and Willie Yuta's in the middle, and then they just start clubbing and beating up on Willie Yuta. I like that. Uh, Santana and Ortiz, they did great here. Santana, he was working majority like on the stage while Ortiz, he was working around the ring. I mean, there was just a lot of chaos. I can't go into every specific, but I will say watch Stadium Stampede. Whenever you have the time, however you can, watch Stadium Stampede. If you like anarchy and chaos just reigning supreme, this was the match for you. And also, at the end of the match, you will see Kingston and Mox just laid up right in the board that is broken and you just see Moxley just right there and Kingston has his middle finger right in Moxley's face. So Moxley and Kingston, they still have some beef right there and it's not going to go away because Kingston wants Moxley away from the Blackpool Combat Club. He does. He doesn't want Moxley around, but Moxley is cool with everybody in the Blackpool Combat Club. I would like to see how that story is going to evolve later, but we'll have to wait and see on uh, hopefully this week's episode of Dynamite. Now, next matchup will be the Fatal 4-Way for the AEW Women's Championship. We have Britt Baker, Tony Storm, and Soraya, and the AEW Women's Champion, Hukaru Shida, in this matchup. Uh, Soraya, she would win this match by pitfall by hitting Tony with the nightcap, formerly called the Rampage in WWE. So, Soraya is your new AEW Women's Champion. Soraya, she came out with her family and Queens, We Will Rock You as her entrance theme here. I will say this was Soraya's night. This was Soraya's whole night because at first you had what would usually be the formula for every Fatal 4-Way when you have a team in there. You have the Outcasts, who's a team of Tony and Soraya working together and beating up on Sheeta, beating up on Britt Baker. They'll work together until you start seeing some cracks unfold in the foundation when uh, they try to pin, I believe it was Britt Baker at this time, and... Both Soraya and Tony will try to pin her, and you just see both of them like arguing, like asking each other, "What are you doing?" Soraya will say, "We talked about this in the back," and Tony will say, oh, "Yeah, yeah, I know, I know." And then they both go back to try to pin Britt Baker, and then now get broke up again. Then there was another spot where it really started to unbreak down and unravel with the Outcasts when uh, Tony storms out there beating up on Britt, and Soraya's mom's behind the barricade, and Soraya's mom will hold up. Britt Baker and allow Tony to get some hits off on Britt. And now when Tony's winding up and Tony would run over, try to hit Britt again, Britt would duck and Tony would inadvertently hit Soraya's mom. Now with Soraya seeing this, Soraya would start getting after Tony. She would try to run over to her, try to get at her. Tony is trying to apologize to Soraya, saying it's an accident. Soraya isn't trying to hear that. Soraya would grab Tony by the hair. Tony would... Uh, strike Soraya, Soraya will strike Tony. Now we get exchange between both ladies. Tony will get the better of the exchange. Tony would then walk over to the bottom turnbuckle padding. 
remove it, then place Soraya's head right on it. And you can see that Tony's about to go for the running hip attack, but Ruby Soho would run down to the ring and try to talk some sense into Tony and telling her about Soraya's bad neck. Tony wouldn't want to hear that and would try to run. Ruby would grab Tony. Tony would turn around and hit Ruby. And now we see Thalcast literally start to disband at the moment because Ruby would get hit. Ruby would start walking to the back. Tony is so apologetic. And Soraya would put Tony in some type of sharpshooter variation. And then you see Britt Baker come in and connect with the uh, curb stomp on Tony. And as I said, you then start seeing everybody compete against one another. Now we have a regular standard Fatal 4-Way match after this. But in the end, Soraya would win. This was Soraya's night. Her family would get in the ring, celebrate with her. Her countrymen and women would start cheering for her because this was Soraya's night. Soraya uh, retired, I believe, what, nine years ago. And she was told, Ayo, you're not going to be able to do this again. And now she's back. She's back here. She's doing what she wanted to do, doing what she loved to do. And now she's back to be on top of the world. So Soraya is now your AEW Women's Champion. Now, moving over to the next matchup, coffin match between Darby Allen and Sting going against Swerve Strickland and Christian Cage. Darby and Sting would win the match by putting Swerve in the coffin after Swerve has half of his body out of the coffin because Swerve's trying to get out. Darby would hit a coffin drop on Swerve's half of the body that's hanging on the coffin, and then they would put Swerve into the coffin, shut the lid. There you go. Uh, highlight of this, Sting came out to his WCW theme. Like, this is Sting's WCW theme, like, towards the end of his career in WCW. So, Tony Khan, he was just shelling out money. He shelled out money for the Queen We Will Rock You, and he shelled out money for Sting's WCW theme here. Uh, Sting used a cricket bat in this. Sting and Darby would wear jackets that had thumbtacks on it and use that during the matchup here. There was a moment where Christian Cage would tie Darby's hands behind his back, and Christian would beat up on Darby until Darby would hit a no-hand springboard moonsault onto Christian and then hit a suicide dive on Swerve. I mean, this match was different. It was what you wanted. Again, this was another chaotic match, but not as chaotic as Stadium Stampede. But everybody was able to get their licks in. You had Swerve still incorporating uh, D... Not DJ, God. Uh, he had DJ Who Kid there, but he incorporated more hip-hop into wrestling. That's kind of been Swerve's contribution to uh, wrestling for the past... I'll say for the past... This would be his second year. He did that in 2022, and now he's doing that here in 2023 again. So for Swerve to have that moment, and he was actually the big bad villain here, you would think Christian would be it, but no, this was Swerve's moment in the sun here. This was his night to become the big villain that we all know Swerve can be, and he actually did that. And to a point, him as Christian almost won the match, but it was because of Swerve's arrogance that they didn't. Because the uh, Swerve had Sting in the casket, or coffin, excuse me, and Swerve had the bat in his hand, and he would just slowly start walking around the casket. He would put the bat inside the casket, and then he would kick the coffin lid, and you would see it didn't shut all the way. Sting's bat stopped it from shutting all the way. If Swerve didn't put Sting's bat in there, and he wasn't so arrogant and slowly walking over to try to kick it over... Swerve and Christian would have won if Swerve would not have been so arrogant and actually just got the job done and put Sting right into the coffin. But you saw where it landed him. Swerve was the one being put in the coffin. So now Sting and Darby, they win. Sting continues to have this 
undefeated streak in AEW, at least on pay-per-views. So that's where we're at here. And now Darby goes off into All Out next week, and he'll be going against Luchasaurus for the TNT Championship. Next matchup, Will Ospreay with Don Callis in his corner going against Chris Jericho, who has Sammy Guevara in his corner. Will Ospreay would win this match by pitfall by hitting the Hitting Blade, then the Stormbreaker for the win. You know what? This was a solid match. It wasn't to the level I think people wanted it to go. I mean, Chris Jericho, he was able to hang with Will Ospreay, but there was a moment here where he had some fumbles. I mean, Chris Jericho tried to go for a uh, Oss cutter, but whenever he did, it seemed like Jericho kind of like headbutt uh, Will Ospreay at that moment, so both of them went down. Um, yeah, it was solid. I'm just going to give it that. I'm not going to get too crappy on it. It was solid. Um, Jericho got to perform Judas with his band Fozzie. Will Ospreay came out in the UK colors, again, being supported by his country, men and women, since they are in the UK. Um, there was a moment in this match here where Chris Jericho had Will Ospreay in the walls of Jericho. Uh, Don Callis, he distracted the referee because it looked like Will was going to tap out, and this will allow Sammy Guevara to hit Will Ospreay in the head with the baseball bat. And, uh, the referee would go over to Will Ospreay, Will Ospreay... Hands would drop twice, and then the third time, he would just hold it. So Osprey still has some fight in the matchup here. Um, again, solid match. Nothing really much to ride home about. The only thing that made this thing interesting was I thought Sammy was going to turn on Chris Jericho because this has been a thing with Sammy at the moment because Sammy got uh, the whole no confidence in Chris Jericho but told him he's not walking away from him. He just waiting for Chris to get back to his right mind. And with Sammy getting the talking to from 2.0 with Dale Garcia last week or Dynamite. I thought we were going to see something here, but we didn't. On the contrary, it was on the opposite after the match would end. You see Sammy trying to tell the fans to clap it up for Chris Jericho for having a hard-fought match with Will Ospreay, even though Jericho didn't win. Jericho would push Sammy to the side. And it seems that Jericho is just trying to collect himself. He's trying to tell Sammy, yo, dog, I just need this. And Sammy just trying to be a friend, as he said he would continuously be to Jericho. But Jericho still just pushed Sammy aside and just, like, left the ring. And Sammy's just standing there in the ring looking at Jericho walking away. I think this is the perfect opportunity for Sammy to really go off and venture on his own. Have 2.0 tell Sammy, listen, we tried to tell you. He didn't listen. Jericho is an attention whore. He does things on his own. He didn't win so what do you do he kick you off to the side so i think this is the perfect time for jericho and sammy to really have a match and sammy probably just put jericho down and if jericho's thinking about retiring i think this would be the right way for him technically to go for sammy to be the guy to put him out because sammy has been the guy that's constantly been with jericho but if they don't i see jericho and sammy still having a match and uh yeah we'll just hopefully uh get that announced on dynamite this upcoming week now, next up, Trio's Championship matchup here. The Acclaim going against the House of Black. Uh, the House of Black, they would come out, as I said, in their white gear. And during their entrance, Buddy Murphy, he would come out, or no, Buddy Matthews, sorry. He would come out holding a lantern and giving respect and paying tribute to Bray Wyatt. The fans, they would pop their flashlight on with the Fireflies. Even the commentary team, they would make mention of Bray Wyatt here. So that was all class. Uh, by the AEW commentary team. Um, the Acclaim, they will win the match, winning the Trios Championships when Billy Gunn will hit uh, Brody King with 
the Famouser, then the Acclaim will hit the Arrival, then the Mic Drop for the win. I like that during this match here, the Acclaim would hit Julia Hart with Shiver Me Timbers here. And by the way, this match was a no hold barred match because when you win against House of Black, you had one condition that you, as the opposite team, could enforce. And the Acclaim wanted this to be a no hold barred match. So there you go. Um, Getting back to Julia Hart getting hit with the Shiver Me Timbers. I like how AEW allows the male competitors to put their hands on Julia Hart. While in the WWE, they're still saving that pop and still saving for someone to put their hands on uh, Rhea Ripley because Rhea Ripley has constantly been interfering in all of her stablemates' matches. Same thing like Julia Hart does. And somehow, nobody has tagged Rhea Ripley yet. Again, when somebody does it, I think that's going to have the place explode the same way that the people like exploded or at least got a pop when Julia Hart got hit with Shiver Me Timbers. So... That's just something to, again, I just thought about during this match here. Um, solid match here between the Acclaim and House of Black. I think everybody knew that the, the House of Black was going to drop the titles to the Acclaim. Um, this was their third match against each other, so it was time for the Acclaim to win. Um, after the match, the Acclaim would have their tag titles, but the House of Black would take it away from them. And the House of Black would then hand it back to the Acclaim as a way of showing showmanship and... Uh, class so we had that here and now Billy Gunn is now another tag champion but this time as a trio champion and now he has it with the acclaim now for future reference I hope that they go into a few with Bullet Club Gold and Bullet Club Gold take it off of the acclaim when the time is right because again the guns taking the titles off the acclaim whenever they were the tag team champions and now doing it whenever they're trios champions I think that should be a legit thing constantly going since the Acclaim has something that the Guns want, and that's two things. One is championship gold, and two, it's their dad, since legitimately, that's their dad. And let that constantly just be their argument point, because the Acclaim has their legitimate dad, and they have championship gold, something that the Guns want both. So, I hope that continues going, but for right now, the Acclaim or your trios champions, congrats to the Acclaim. Now, we move on to our AEW World Championship match and also the main event. MJF going against Adam Cole, tag team partner going against tag team partner, newly Ring of Honor tag team champions going against one another. This, to me, I felt they tried to do the WrestleMania 23 deal. Again, tag team champions going against one another and also one person being the world champion. That's how I felt with that, with this here. But with more devious undertones here because MJF and Adam Cole... We already know both guys are technically bad guys. Everybody cares about Adam Cole, but Adam Cole is a bad guy. Let's not get it twisted. MGF, he's self-admitted saying, yo, dog, I'm still a scumbag at the end of the day. But he cares about Adam Cole here. And we got to see that displayed a lot in this matchup here. Now, we will have uh, part one and a part two to this match, and I'll get down to that in a minute. Part one in this match, you would start off with Adam Cole and MGF literally leaving the ring and going underneath the ring to grab a t-shirt, both, and then putting it on, and it's their better-than-you baby t-shirt. So they try to show everybody that this is still camaraderie between the two. This is going to be a match about respect. And that would, <laughs> that would disintegrate, because uh, you will start off with MJF doing this whole handshaking deal with Adam Cole. He'll get it off once, and he'll beat Adam Cole, and then Adam Cole will beat MJF up a little bit. And then MJF will go back to wanted to shake Adam Cole's hand, and then this time Adam Cole did it, and now MJF would poke Adam in the eye. 
Now, when he did this, Adam Cole would kind of drop down, get on the second, not second, but the bottom turnbuckle. MGF will go over to Adam, extend his hand out, say, okay, I'm sorry, dude. I'm sorry, dude. And he will pull Adam Cole up. And then this time, Adam Cole will slap MJF. And this would be kind of be like the switch that Adam Cole got flipped. And Adam Cole would just start doing a lot of heelish tactics to MJF, like pulling MJF's hair, being more aggressive, like really beating up on MJF and just start talking smack to MJF. Even towards the end of part one, he would start taking off MGF's better than you baby t-shirt and throwing it off so you see this becomes a serious thing between Adam and MJF and Adam would hit MJF with his own move the heat seeker Adam would hit MJF with a brain buster on the steel steps and this would kind of knock MJF out until uh MJF would wake up by the count of nine and jump into the ring and there was a moment where MGF was going to do a heelish tactic by tombstoning Adam on the commentary table, but MGF, he would have this internal crisis and he wouldn't do it because MGF has always said that Adam Cole is his first legitimate, like, real friend that he's ever had. So he doesn't want to hurt his actual buddy and his real life friend. But Adam, nah. Adam is doing everything he can to win, and Adam would hit MGF with a tombstone on the commentary table. And the match would end in a draw thanks to both men hitting a (laughs) double clothesline on each other. And their arms would drape over each other. The referee would count one, two, three. So we have a draw. People are booing. Fans are booing. Adam Cole would get a mic and say, nope, we're not ending it like this. We're not ending a pay-per-view like this. And he would say that he wants five more minutes. Again, this is the callback to Adam Cole and MGF's first match that they had on Dynamite. MGF would say no, and he would say, we're going to continue this match until we have a winner. So this will be part two of the match. So the match will restart. Um, second match, second part of this match was great. You will have Adam Cole and MGF try to trade off uh, pinning uh, maneuvers on one another, try to get a quick pin here. There was a moment when the referee would go down, and MGF would get a chair. He would try to do the Eddie Guerrero spot. He would throw it over to Adam Cole. Adam Cole would catch it, throw it back to MGF. Now we have a back and forth between the two. And then there'll be a moment when MGF is like holding the chair and Adam Cole would just drop to the mat. And the referee is still down. And MGF decides, you know what? Screw it. I'm going to put the chair around my neck. I'm going to lay it down on the ground. And there you have it. So the referee starting to pick himself up. Adam Cole trying to figure out what's going on. And Adam would see the chair around MGF's neck. And he was like, oh, no. So the referee would get up. Adam Cole would tell the ref, no, 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 that wasn't me. He just placed that on his neck. He just placed it on his neck. So then uh, Adam Cole would get scooped up in a roll-up by MJF, and Adam would kick out. And again, uh, they go back and forth, back and forth with each other. There was a moment where Adam Cole would hit the Panama Sunrise on MJF outside of the ring. And you would see inside of the ring, Adam Cole would go for a Panama Sunrise, but he would ultimately hit the referee with it. Now, the referee is down. Roger Strong would come down and kick MGF in the nuts and alert Adam Cole that MGF is down. Adam would then hit MGF with the Panama Sunrise, then the boom. And now Adam Cole's covering MGF and he's yelling for the referee to come over to pin him. Well, make the count. And the referee is moving so slow. This man's moving like a complete like sloth. And when he got over there, he finally made the one, two. MGF would kick out at two. 
Roddy would then throw the AEW championship into the ring and tell Adam to use it. Adam would see the championship. He would take off his Better Than You t-shirt, throw it outside, and he now has a championship in his hands. Now, taking off the shirt with symbolism, saying that he's thrown away his friendship with MJF here because he wants to win the AEW championship. And now Adam holds the championship in his hands. He's looking at MJF, who's down on his knees, and MJF doesn't see Adam. And Adam's holding the title. He's having now his own internal crisis. And he just decided to throw the championship out of the ring. And he starts yelling at Roddy to go to the back. Roddy's walking away. He starts walking to the back. Adam will go over to MJF. MJF would grab Adam and get him with a inside cradle. And that's how the match would end. Adam Cole would get beat by MJF with an inside cradle pin. And that's how the match would end off. MJF is still your AEW world champion. Now, after the match, Adam Cole will be on the bottom corner and he would just be staring because he can't believe that he just lost the AEW world championship. He just had the title within his hands, within his grasp, and you can just see that the weight of it is all crashing down on him. MJF, he would see this and he would try to be like a little brother trying to console his friend and he would go over to Adam saying, cheer, trying to cheer him up, tell him, hey, the match could have gone either way, bud. It could have gone either way. It's okay. It's okay. And he said, okay, watch this. Watch this. He will leave the ring, go out to grab the ring on our tag team championships, give Adam his championship, and Adam will grab it and just throw that championship. And now you would just see MJF have a dejected look on his face. And MJF has stated he has rejection uh, syndrome. He doesn't take rejection good. So MJF would start cutting into Adam and say, you were never really my friend. You were just going after that world title. Does this really mean that much to you? And he would just grab the title, throw it over to Adam. And now he's doing the same thing Adam Cole did to MJF weeks ago. He would stand up, turn his back to Adam and say, do it. Hit me with it. And Adam would grab the title. He would stand up and he's holding it. Roddy would run down to the ring, get on the apron and yell at Adam to hit MJF because Roddy is Adam's true best friend. And Adam Cole doesn't do it. He throws the title down. MJF would turn around, see Adam, and then they would run over to each other and hug one another. And Roddy would get off the apron. He would walk up the ramp. The kingdom is there to console Roddy as Roddy is pissed. And the all-in pay-per-view will go off with MJF and Adam Cole hugging each other, raising each other's hands up in the air. And that's how all-in will go off. Now, I had no problem with it because now we can kind of see where we're going with this whole business with Adam Cole and MJF. Um, I feel that we're going to get a all-out matchup between Better Than You, Bebe, and The Kingdom. Since Better Than You, Bebe have the Ring of Honor Tag Team Championships, I can see The Kingdom want to go after it, and I can see Roddy kind of being the helping point for The Kingdom to win the Ring of Honor Tag Team titles. And then now set up a match between Adam Cole and Roddy, or better yet, even MGF and Roddy. One of the two, but... We'll cross that bridge when Dynamite happens this week, and we'll really cross that bridge whenever or if there's going to be a match announced for All Out that happens next week. But that was your All In review. It was announced as well that All In will be returning to Wembley next year. So there you go. All In seems to be like, well, Wembley's home base for All In, at least for right now. But yeah, I like All In. The match 
Well, the matches from top to bottom, even though the pre-show was top-notch, I will say that AEW has had a good flow of pay-per-views from your Revolution to your Double or Nothing to your uh, Forbidden Door. Now to this, they've been constantly going upwards with the trajectory, and I hope it continues to go upwards because now we got two more pay-per-views to go to end out the year. We have All Out, and then we have Full Gear. Let's see how AEW uh, ends their um, year out. But all in, great pay-per-view. I would suggest you go check it out. And with that, that has been your review of All In. I hope you guys have a great time. Have a great day. Uh, You'll be hearing from me again on the midweek episode this Wednesday. You'll hear from me on with Wrestling on Wrestling Highlights of the Week this Saturday. And also, if you did not check out my Sunday episode that happened yesterday, it's called Mugshot. Go listen to that. But with that... Have a great day. This has been your wrestling uh, review from My Two Cents Podcast presented by G2. He is I and I am him. I love you guys. Have a great day.